Good evening, everyone. Welcome to part 20 of the Gospels. Uh, we, this will be our 20th week in the Gospels, where we put the Gospels uh, together chronologically, all four of them, to try and tell a, a story from four angles. Because, uh, again, you know, the Gospels don't all tell the same story exactly the same way. Some leave some, put some things in, some take things out. Uh, but when you read all four of them, you get the complete story. So what we've done is kind of do that. So we're going to kind of wrap it up today. We're going to de- be doing basically the the Easter story, I know which all of us are familiar with. So I just want to point out a few things. But what I do want to spend some time on today is the ending of the four Gospels. Uh, I want to look at how each of the four Gospels ends the story of, of uh, Jesus' life uh, here on earth be obviously before his return and then also let you know that next week we will be in uh the acts of the apostles so what i'm going to do beginning next week is do what we did with uh the gospels but i'll just be in acts telling the story uh in acts so we'll go through all of acts which is basically the first 35 40 years of the church age and so we'll be getting uh that story. But also, just a reminder right now, that next week I will be, will be have, Bible study will, will be back open. So if you want to come to church, we will be doing uh, this broadcast live from church uh, at 7 o'clock. It will be a podcast, uh, or maybe even online. I'm not sure how we're going to do it yet, but it will definitely be recorded uh, live. And so, um, but this sanctuary will be open. You can come into the Bible study room. So we will be having social distancing, of course, but we will uh, be going back uh, live. So having said that, let me just pray for today's message and uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 27. Lord God, we give you honor and praise, thanksgiving for this time. Lord, we thank you for the study in the Gospels, Lord, and what it uh has meant to us uh, what we've learned, uh, what we're able to to use uh, individually and corporately as the body of Christ, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our teacher, our help, and uh, our guide in all of this. So, Father, we just thank you and give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the heading there on your outline is, A Dead Man Can Do No Work. Because where we ended up last week, Jesus has died. He's on the cross. They see him take him off the cross. He has died. And they place him in the tomb. And so that a dead man can do no work. And the reason I say that is because the completed work has to do with the resurrection and the ascension uh, and Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. So the cross doesn't end the story. That just begins the church age part, and now the Holy Spirit is the one who will be uh, guiding us through all this. So let's just look at the end here. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 to 66. It says, Now on the next day, which is the one after the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together with Pilate Pilate and said, Sir, remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am to rise again. So, you know, they remember what he said, 
but they don't use it uh, for their own benefit that, that, you know, this is Messiah. They try and use his words to trip him up. So what it is is that they said uh, they want to make sure that nothing happens to the body. So verse 64. Therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard, go. Make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Uh, You know, Jesus was in the tomb. There was a huge stone rolled in place of it. That stone was sealed. One, One or two people could not easily move that stone. The stone was sealed. And then there were guards placed around the grave. Uh, to make sure no one did anything with the body. Now, chapter 28 of Matthew. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Actually, the other accounts will tell us, as you know, they were there to anoint the body. Because this is what you would do. Uh, uh, you would anoint the body because the, the flesh was decaying. And what they did, they would lay the body out. The flesh would decay uh, off of the body. Then they would gather up the bones and they would put the, the bones in a bone box. And then they would then put that into a slot inside the cave. And in the process to keep, uh, because of the body decaying, they were there to uh, anoint the body and to put fragrance on the body so the body would not smell. So, chapter 28, verse 1 again, after the Sabbath, as it began towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And angel, there was an earthquake. Angel of the Lord came, rolled it away. We're talking supernatural power here and is now sitting uh, on top of that stone. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning and his garment as white as snow. Again, trying to describe this in the terms that they know. If we saw this today, we would probably describe it a little bit differently because we have different effects. Back then, not so much. So it was like lightning, his garment white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. In other words, when this happened, they were paralyzed by fear. They basically uh, could not move. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. Verse 6, He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. 
Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. Now imagine this. They're going looking for a dead body. And they go and they see, just as the day is breaking, that the stone had been rolled away. An angel is upon it. The guards that were watching the tomb were basically frozen in fear. And the uh, uh, angel begins to speak to them. It says, go into the tomb and look. Jesus, whom you're looking for, is not here. He has risen. Now go tell his disciples. And it said they were mixed with fear and joy. You know, being in the presence of a miracle of God, that God was doing something. They weren't connecting all the dots yet. But at the same time, they realized that Jesus was still alive. Something was going on that was obviously was above their pay grade. Now, if you look on the uh, your sheet there, I have uh, Jesus appears to the two on the way. Jesus appears to his disciples. And Jesus appears to his disciples again. Once when Thomas was absent. Another time when Thomas was present. Then I have Jesus appears to the eleven while they sit at the table. Jesus appears to the eleven on the mountain in, in Galilee. Uh, you can look at those uh, later. Those are just different reference points after the resurrection where Jesus appeared uh, to his disciples and others. And uh, realize that when you read those accounts, three times Jesus appears to them while they're in the, in the course of eating. And uh, even Jesus eats. Now the point here is not that Jesus is hungry. Uh, the point here is that according to Jewish custom, <clears throat> that if you had something against someone, <clears throat> excuse me, you would not eat with them. You would not break bread with them. You would not uh, have fellowship with them. <clears throat> excuse me. And so the point here is that Jesus is in the midst of a meal with them and he breaks bread with them. Uh, it's a sign to them that he is saying, I am not holding against anything against you even though when I was on the cross you all departed even though when I came off the cross uh, you felt that I was dead that all was lost so it's a significance in their manners and customs uh, that Jesus says to them in the course of that meal we are back in right standing it is okay we are in fellowship with one another what I do want to read is the gospel of John chapter 21 and turn there John 21, verse 1 to 14. So the Gospel of John, chapter 21, at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. 
Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Therefore, Jesus said to them, Children, do you not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, and later on in the gospel we find out that that disciple is John, the one who's writing this. So when it refers to in the gospel of John, the disciple that Jesus loved, John is speaking of himself. So John said to Peter, It is the Lord. And so when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put off his outer garment, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging a net full of fish. And so when they got out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed upon it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Again, the point here is that we are going to break bread together. Uh, they didn't realize it was Jesus at first. Uh, Peter, all of a sudden, when he gets a revelation, you know, he dives into the water uh, and he comes to them, comes to him. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three, although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread, gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is how the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The point here, twofold. One, Jesus is saying, we are reconciled. We are still one with one another. Come and eat. The other is, notice the position of the disciples. They were going back to their previous life. Remember, come, I will make you fishers of men. Peter was a fisherman. Others with him were, uh, were, were, were fishermen. They were returning to their old way of life. Why? Because a dead man can do no work. So understand uh, that Jesus is manifesting himself to them, uh, to them, and he's reassuring them. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's telling them, you know, don't go back to where you were because everything has changed. I am alive. I am here. I am present in your life. Now I want to do the ending of the Gospels. We're going to start in Matthew, then we'll do Mark, Luke, and we'll finish in John. Just to see how each of the uh, writers of the Gospels closes out the Gospels. So that we get a, a good picture of where we are as we next week go and look at the uh, uh, Acts of the Apostles. Because these words lead straight to the uh, book of Acts. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. I think all of us know this passage very well. It's known as a great commission. Verse 16. 
But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they were they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. In other words, were they doubtful of who Jesus was or were they doubtful about what was going on? Because don't forget, he had manifested himself to them. They seen that he had been resurrected. Again, what did they want? They wanted a Messiah who was going to overthrow Rome. They wanted a Messiah who was going to uh, restore their fortunes. Uh, that's, that's what they kind of signed up for. That's what they wanted. But realize Jesus comes as the humble servant the first time he returns as the conquering king. Verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, Now remember, when someone's saying the last things to someone, it's vitally important. This is the take-home. This is what I want you to know. You've been there. You've seen this. You've done that. All of these things. But this is what I want you to know. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, Jesus has all authority in the realm of everything that is created, everything that is seen, everything that is unseen. And he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the way Matthew ends his. But notice what he says, go make disciples. He doesn't say, just go get people saved. He says, make disciples. Salvation is one thing, discipleship comes after that. This is where you now learn about Christianity. This is where, you know, your Bible study comes in. This is where uh, new members are indoctrinated. Uh, this is where, where you, you prepare people. And, and then you disciple them. Just a, a note for uh, those of us, you know, Southern Baptists. Realize that in Southern Baptist polity, Southern Baptist government, one of the things that we do when someone gets saved, you don't automatically just take them to uh, to the baptistry and baptize them. No, you take them through a discipleship class. And then once they've understood what Christianity is, what it means to be a Southern Baptist, what it, what it means uh, 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 to be a Christian, uh, then based upon the confession of their faith, then you baptize them. Okay, so they're kind of following this model here. So he says, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, in the name of a triune God. And then to teach them to observe all that I commanded you. Again, what is he teaching them to, to observe? What Jesus commanded and, and what the church is supposed to be. And then he says, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. How is he going to be with us? Well, we find out in Acts uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. That is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is with us through the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, you have Christ and God the Father. When you have God the Father, you have Christ and the Holy Spirit. When you have Jesus, you have God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Triune God. Okay? So now let's go to Mark's account. Go over a few pages to Mark 16. 
and we'll see how Mark ends his gospel. Because remember, each gospel writer has a different audience. Matthew's audience is Jewish believers. Mark's audience are Gentiles. That's why you don't get very much about temple worship and Old Testament stuff. He's relating to uh, to 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 Gentiles, but but more importantly, he's relating to Romans. If that's the Gentiles that he's uh, going to, and then Luke uh, is to Gentiles, uh, all Gentiles, and then John's gospel is basically. Uh, to everyone, but his intent is to know uh, the, the 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 God in Christ. So we're in Mark chapter sixteen. Let's look at the closing statements, beginning in verse nine. I'll be reading verse nine to verse twenty. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, that was the day of feast fruits, feast of first fruits, day we call Easter. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been seen with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they had heard that he was alive and they had and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way in the country. And they went away and reported it to others, but they did not believe them either. And afterwards, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Remember, Jesus told them he was going to die, and he was going to rise again. And so, you know, the reports were coming in that this was happening. This was true, but they failed to believe. You know, this is important for us because these are people that were firsthand accounts and they're supposed to believe based on faith even then. They should have said, yes, this is what Jesus told us was going to happen. We should believe by faith. Okay, they weren't doing that. That's why they're reproached by Jesus. Verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. What are we called to do as a a church? Preach the gospel uh, to all creation. By the way, I I failed to mention it. uh, When we were in Matthew and it says, you know, uh, go make disciples of all the nations. Uh, That's a Greek word, uh, ethnos. And what it means is all ethnicity. In other words, to all people. Uh, you know, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of where you were born and, and all of this stuff, to everyone. That's what he's saying there. So here he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Again, it's based upon our faith, believing in Jesus Christ. And these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents and they will drink any deadly poison and it shall not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. A couple things here. In the book of Acts, you know, where it says, uh, 
Verse 17 again, it says, And these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons, and they will speak with new tongues. This is what happens in Acts chapter 2. They're speaking in new tongues. You know, and, and the early church is marked by signs that the early church was casting out demons, signs and wonders, and, and uh, 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 you know, all of these things. This is not for us to go around and test God and, you know, drink poison and pick up serpents. That's not what we're, what we're called to do. You know, we're, we're called to be led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will perform signs and wonders as needed. So verse 19. Uh, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. See, So the signs that followed them. As we do what God has called us to do, the signs and wonders will follow. Now Luke's account Luke 24, verse 44. This is how Luke ends his gospel account. Now he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, everything that's in the Old Testament that's what he's saying here. Everything that was written, because remember, what was the Bible Jesus preached out of? It was the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written yet. Uh, in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament uh, wouldn't wouldn't be written for at least another uh, uh, 35 years or so, 40 years. Uh, so, you know, uh, understand that. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Okay, let me hold it right there. This is what I'm always talking about, that our foundation as Christians, as believers, is the word of God, not just the New Testament. It's going all the way back into the Old Testament. That's the root. That's what we're, we're grafted into. That's part of the vine. That's part of who we are. So when we, 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 we don't go into the Old Testament, then our foundation is going to be off. Because the New Testament is just the Old Testament brought through the cross. In other words, this is what, what, what it means now that Jesus has come. This is what the scriptures mean as now because of the cross, because of the death, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. He's quoting Hosea chapter 6 verse 2 there. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins, again, salvation, we must acknowledge our sin first then repent. So he says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these signs. The first church was in Jerusalem and it spread out from there. Verse 49, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What he's talking about is what he talked about in John chapter 14, verse 
26, he's talking about, you know, it's better that he ascends, and then when he ascends, he will send the gift, the promise uh, from, from the Father to the church. And this is the giving of the Holy Spirit uh, to the church. And this is what we're going to be in uh, talking about next week. This is what establishes the church age. Verse 50, And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. And this is where we find the church in the book of Acts in the temple uh, celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. And by the way, Luke, the author of Luke, is also the author of Acts. So if you were to read right here, then you would go straight to uh, uh, Acts chapter 1 and you will pick up the story from there. So let's just close out our session seeing what John writes in the closing of his gospel account. So we'll be in John chapter 21. I'll be reading verse 15. And so when they had finished breakfast, Remember after the after the uh, after the catch of fish, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Tend to my lambs. He said to them again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to them a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, remember this is John, uh, following them the one who had also leaned back on his breast at the supper, meaning the last supper, uh, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. This saying, therefore, went out among the brethren, that the disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, only if I want him to remain until I come, that is what I say to you. In other words, Jesus is making a point here with Peter. He's telling them, concentrate on feeding my sheep, feed those that are going to come. This is why Peter is the one who preaches the first sermon, the first two sermons uh, to the church, and probably even more after that. In the beginning, he's the main influence on the body of Christ there. And, and he tells Peter, you know, who starts questioning, well, what about John and this and that? And he says, don't worry about that. 
just do what I have called you to do. And I think this is a reminder to the church. Let's not be looking to the left and the right and what is this doing and what is that doing. Fulfill the call that we have. And the call that we have is to preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, sometimes we worry about, well, what about this and what about that? Our call is to preach the gospel. In the next two verses, this is where John closes his gospel. This is the disciple who bears witness of these things, speaking of John, who wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. And by the way, John, this is the same John that writes uh, uh, Revelation, the Re- Revelation according to John, who he writes when he's well up in his 90s. He lives longer than any of the other uh Disciples, he he becomes a very old man. Living into your nineties in that day of age uh, was very very rare. Uh, you didn't have that because there were you didn't have modern medicine and, and disease was rampant. Uh, verse twenty five. It says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. In other words, he says there were so many more things to say, uh, so many other things that Jesus had done. And if we compiled everything, uh, you know, all together, uh, you know, what God has done, you know, because sometimes we wonder, well, why isn't this in there? Why isn't that in there? What's in the Bible is a story that God wants us to know, the story that God tells us. And some things are bullet form, some things are a little bit more detail, but all things point to the cross. All things point to Jesus, to Jesus. All things point to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. He has a confession of our of our of our faith. And so, you know, realize there were so many more things. And so realize when you share the gospel, you know, and sometimes people want to know about this and that. Remind them. The Bible is not about the story of the world. The Bible is about the story of God, what God wants us to know. And the story is about salvation through Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ is going to return and uh, he's going to judge uh, the living and the dead. This is why the church age, beginning with the book of Acts, is so important because it shows us how to be the church. It shows us how to, to preach the gospel. It shows us how to uh, 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 set things up as the church. It shows us that organizational structure. Uh, it shows us how to be the church. So that's why it's, it's very, very important. But it also shows us the attacks on the church, and it shows us how to handle those attacks and how we are to uh, handle things as the body of Christ. So I'm going to close right there. Hold it with that. Next week, we'll be in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. We're going to break all that stuff down. And so I don't know how many weeks we'll be in there. We were in 20 in the Gospels. Maybe it'll be another 20 weeks in the uh, in the Acts. But uh, remember that beginning next week, uh, we will be uh, uh, live in the sanctuary. So, uh, so remember that uh, as you can come to Bible study, and as you come to Bible study uh, beginning next week, which will be June 17th, uh, we will be live in Bible study. We'll also continue to record and do the podcast because, as you know, our online uh, service, service, we will continue to do that from now on. So even if you're not live at church, you can still pick it up 
online. So again, uh, thank you for being part of this podcast. Let someone know these podcasts are available. Uh, share them with other people. Don't forget to check out the website uh, for any details and things that are going on. Like our, fa- our Facebook page. Uh, share it and uh, uh, so that we can reach our community with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So just let me close in a word of prayer. Father, again, we just give you thanks, praise, and honor, and glory. We thank you for the Gospels, Lord. We thank you for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, that reveals all things to us, Lord. And so, Lord, as we study the Word of God, Lord, continue to illuminate the Word for us, uh, that we pick up understanding and knowledge and, and how it affects us and how we are to carry out uh, the good news and how we are to preach the Gospels and organize and what is the task of the body of Christ. So, Father, in all of this, we just give you thanks, praise, and glory and honor. Father, be glorified in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. God bless all of you. See you soon.